0: The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us, our services are Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We would love for you to be our guests. We hope you consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting the donation amount to 907 341 4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's Word. Hey, good morning 9 a.m. How you guys doing? You awake? You're here. It's that time of year where you show up to church and it's dark outside and so drink a lot of coffee if you're not awake. Uh, we have plenty of it out there, but thanks for coming to 9 a.m. Uh, if you are from the 11. Uh, and you move to 9, thank you so much. We keep trying to make some space in that 11 o'clock service. And so uh, if you know anybody in the 11 o'clock that you can drag to this service, please do that. Text them, drag them, say, hey, come with me to 9 a.m. We'll go get some breakfast afterwards. Uh, but thanks for being here. If you're new, welcome to ACF Church. Uh, my name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here. And we are in a series called Fanatics, studying through this letter uh, called James. It's a, it's a, it's a book written by Jesus's little brother and it's been a great journey so far we are cruising through this book You guys, it's going to be Thanksgiving and Christmas season in no time. I just can't believe how quickly this year is going by. And uh, so lots of great things happening around us. Before we get too much into this, I uh, want to encourage you, if you have heard about the tactical manhood thing that we're doing, so uh, out in the lobby, you can sign up for this. If you're a man in this room, I want to encourage you, don't leave today without signing up. We're having a a Navy SEAL, ex-Navy SEAL, come up with a group of guys, and they're doing a, uh, it's like a six-hour thing on a Saturday, and it's going to be awesome, you guys. Guys, and the price is 65 bucks, which I know for some of you, you're like, that's a really, uh, that's a substantial investment, but I also really think it's going to be, it's going to be a substantial payoff, and so I'd really encourage you, sign up for that today, don't leave, Uh, we've really only got two weeks left, um, and so get out in the lobby, meet Josh, out there and sign up for that it 's going to be a great group. I think we 've got uh, over thirty about forty guys signed up so far we 're capping it off at a hundred people, and so that 's going to fill up quick just this week. We talked to some other local pastors and they 're going to be um, opening up this up to their churches as well and so get signed up uh, when you can but James chapter 4 is where we're at this morning. If you want to open up your Bibles to that, you can also follow along on the screen behind me. But that is where we're at. I can't believe we're uh, moving through this book so quickly. And as we've said every week, you guys, if you have not been reading through the book of James, I want to encourage you, if you don't know what to read when you go to your Bible, if you don't know what to do for your quiet time, just open the book of James. Read through the entire book. It takes about 15 minutes. And do that once a week, and I, I encourage you to do that. It's going to challenge you. A lot. But let's read this passage together. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So good stuff here. Um, so this year, I, I got to do something pretty cool. I got to take my oldest child hunting with me. It was my first time. Do you have a picture of me and Cadence? There we are. So there we are out in Eureka. I don't know if you have been out there. We were about 60 miles back in there. Um, and, and we just had a blast. It was my first time taking her out. I couldn't believe she even wanted to go. So I was super stoked to take my daughter out hunting. And the goal was simple. The goal is really simple. Get her out there keep her warm, and get her home. That was it. That was it. If I can get her out there, keep her warm, keep her fed, make sure she's happy, and get her home, it's going to be a win, you know. And my wife just, God bless her for trusting me to take my daughter out, Uh, 60 miles into the wilderness with animals and bears and all kinds of things. And uh, if you've heard any of my stories, you know that is a feat to trust me with my daughter. I just, I tell parenting fail stories a lot, but this was a great uh, experience for us. She came back, she was excited, she wanted to go again. And we had a lot of talks when we were out in the woods about what this is all about. Why are we out here? You know, of course, we're, we're hunting caribou. That's, that's what we're out here for. But what is this place really about? How do we enjoy this beautiful mountain that we're looking at? How do we enjoy the trip out and the trip back? You know, how do we make this a great experience? Because I spent a lot of time in the woods as a, as a young kid. My dad uh, started me off really young carrying a BB gun, Red Rider, right? Red Rider BB gun, carrying that around in the woods and uh, giving me the experience of hunting. And he taught me at a really young age, you know, this whole thing, it's not just about getting animals, it's not just about filling up the, free- the freezer, it's about being outside and enjoying this beautiful place that we have uh, to enjoy. And I know this uh, now as, as an adult, I see there's two kinds of people in the woods, there are hunters and there are outdoorsmen. And you guys who are hunters, you are high-stress, high-strung people, right? You just spent a thousand bucks on hunting gear, and you better fill up the freezer, right? Or, or your wife's going to make you take all the gear back to Bass Pro Shop. And so you got to go, go out there, you got to make sure you're successful, get the animal, and get back. But then there's people, you're going to see them out in the woods, and they're like taking a nap over here. You see them, they're taking pictures, you know, they got the, the whole camp set up. And maybe middle of the day, they're sitting there in the lawn chair, you know, enjoying it, enjoying the journey. You see, that's kind of how life is. There are people who are go, 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 get to the next thing, make sure I meet all of my goals, all my requirements. And there are people who have an ability to enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. They have this way of opening their eyes to to the situation that they're in and enjoying that for what it is. James is pushing on that part of us. He's saying, what if there was a way to have peace in all of the chaos that is your life? As we head into this holiday season, it's just going to get busier and busier for you. Now the kids are going back to school. Maybe you've just gone back to school. There's tests coming up. What if there was a way for you to enjoy this season? For you to be able to lay down a bed at night. For your mind not to be going 100 miles an hour. For you to wake up in the morning, able to sit down, have a cup of coffee, and enjoy the day for whatever is going to come. I think that's what James is encouraging us for, and that's what God has for us this morning. So let's pray, and we'll get into this text. Jesus, thank you for today. Thanks for this group of people that we we come together with this morning, God. We thank you for uh, warm buildings and roofs over our heads, God. We thank you for warm blankets and fires at home, God, and all that you give us. God, you are so good to us. I pray that we could come here together under one roof as one gathering of people desiring uh, to get to know you better. Needing grace, needing you to come in and change us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I said, life is really never as we expect it. We make a lot of plans. Um, I've made a lot of plans. And as I look back at who I thought I would be when I was 10 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I would have never thought I would be where I am. Think about the dreams that you had when you were a teenager. Think about what you expected life to be like when you were older. You know, for me when I was a kid, it was like, once I can drive, right? My life begins once I get my driver's license. And so my mom let me take off school that day. I went down to the DMV. I had my 79 F-150 two-wheel drive truck. It It was awesome. This is the best pickup. You know, floorboards rusting out, but it was mine, right? And so I started driving that. And that was when life was supposed to begin, but then, you know, you start driving, you get used to it, it's not that big of a deal anymore. And then you look forward to college, and you look forward to the next thing. And I found this, this uh, little story that I want to read to you about life. And it's a little bit long, but I hope you'll stick with me. Because it, it really does a great job of identifying how untamable and how unpredictable life is. And how there's, there's always trials, there's always struggles. And this theme of the book of James is all about how the trials continue. And the trials will come. And what will you do when life throws a trial at you? So let me read this for you. It says, A high school senior lives in tension. He is at long last king of the hill, the privileged one. And yet classes are still long and boring. Homework is still painful. At home he still faces curfews and chores. He looks around and asks, Is this what I've been waiting for all my life? There must be more. I'm tired of school, tired of books, tired of teachers' dirty looks. I'm tired of my room, my mom, my activities. I can't wait to get out on my own to do a thousand new things. When graduation comes, then my trials will be over. So our young man goes to college, he is free. But he's a chemistry major perpetually in the lab and working part-time to cover his expenses. By his senior year, he has a serious girlfriend. They begin to think about marriage but haven't been together long enough to be sure when he gets a job in Dallas 800 miles away from his sweetheart who will be teaching third grade. Absence makes their hearts grow fonder. They work harder than ever to master their new professions, but they are lonely and tired of kissing their telephones good night. They decide to marry. Gazing into each other's eyes, they say, "'We will be together forever soon.'" Our trials will be over. The honeymoon comes and goes. They set up the house in a small apartment. On his first day of work, he showers and starts to shave. But he can hardly see himself because the stockings draped over the mirror are blocking his view. But how she spends money. Once more, she still expects him to demonstrate his love with flowers and dates. He thinks, what do you mean you want tokens of love? I married you. Why do you need tokens? Of course, he causes a few trials too. At the table, he eats as if he were back at the fraternity. When he sleeps, he thrashes about their bed as if he's reenacting an Olympic decathlon. Eventually, they sort things out. That trial is over. Now they want a baby. But one year, then two, then three years go by without success. And then just as they prepare to meet with the physician, she conceives. They say, now our trials are over. I will not recount the trials of pregnancy, the nausea, the mood swings. Let us travel forward eight months. They have a healthy girl, mother and daughter, leave the hospital and spend their first night at home. The baby is asleep and the parents lie in bed thinking our marriage is strong. Our baby is home. At least our trials are over. And they drift off to sleep. In an instant they're awake, the baby is crying. Why? She's dry, she's not hungry, she's crying for no reason whatsoever. So the trials of parenthood begin. In every stage of the child's life, parents tell themselves the next phase will be easier. When we can sleep through the night, when the baby can understand us, when we can understand her, when we're done with diapers, then it will be easier. When they're old enough to go to school so mother can have a little peace and quiet. When they become more independent, when they can drive so we no longer spend endless hours chauffeuring them to soccer games and clarinet lessons. Yes, when they can drive, then our trials will be over. When they go to college and can stop fussing about curfews and we can stop wondering where they are. They may never come in, but at least we won't know. Then our trials will be over. Work is no different. Trials never end. Things never settle down. If the economy is thriving, the company is growing and our work is respected. There is too much to do now. The trials are overwork and exhaustion. If the economy is cool or there is not enough business, then income is down and jobs are in jeopardy. Trials continue after retirement. We miss the camaraderie, the respect, the friendships at work. We have too much time on our hands. Health issues surface and we may wonder if we laid aside enough money to fund the next 20 years. From our childhood home to the retirement home, trials are constant. It's life, right? That's life. Man, I read that and I thought, what a great perspective on all of this to come. You see, what we do is we make plans. We make plans. And for me, I've got this fear inside of me that I would waste my life. And I don't want to waste my life. And so I want to be intentional about how I live, and so I plan out my days, and I plan out my weeks, and I plan out my future, and I have where I'm supposed to go here in the next couple months, six months, year. I kind of have an idea of what I would like to do with my life. But then as we all know, we make these plans, and then things change, right? Something comes up. Life happens, we call it, and then things have to adapt to this new way of doing things, and so I'm convinced that the the antidote to a worthless life isn't better plans, it's bigger vision. It's not about making better plans. That's what I do is when my plans fall through, I think, well, my plans are the problem. So make better plans. Work harder, dig your feet in, make it happen. And it never works out the way I want it to. You see, Vision is so important, and that's really where we're going today, because vision is the why behind your plans. We make a lot of plans, and a lot of times we don't really know why we're making those plans. Maybe if this is what, it, what is expected of me. You're in high school, and you're like, I plan on going to college. Why? Because that's what you do after high school, right? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my 20s. I'm planning on getting married. Why? Because that's what you do. You get married, right? Okay, you're married. What are you doing? I'm going to have kids. Why? Because that's what you do. You have kids, right? And we, we have this way of doing what is expected of us instead of looking at our lives with a critical eye and going, what are we about? What is the why behind what we do? And not that these things are bad. All of them can potentially be very good. We want to ask the why. Solomon tells us about vision in the Proverbs. He says in Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. We need vision. I love uh, Eugene Peterson in the message. He says it this way If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I thought that's a great way of describing this idea of having a real vision. When people don't know where they're going or what they're doing, they stumble all over themselves. So, what is it that keeps us from establishing a better vision? What is it that, if I asked you right now, what is your vision? Do you have a plan? Like, what is your life all about? If you boil it down into one sentence, would you be able to articulate that one thing? So what is it that keeps us from having that answer on the tip of our tongue all the time? This is what I'm about. James is very clear. He says it's arrogance. Arrogance. He says we have this way of boasting in tomorrow, of boasting that we have things in control, of boasting in our plans we say, we're going to go here, and we're going to do this, and this is what's coming next. And so we, we, we find confidence in ourselves and in our plans. Um, you might have run into this on Monday with the snow. How many, how many plans were destroyed on Monday by the snow? So we were those people that didn't put our snow tires on. Like, we were the waiters that didn't, didn't do it in time. And so um, we're, we're trying to take the kids to school. I leave the house at about 8.15 and I drive over to the highway, and the Glen Highway is just a parking lot, right? Some of you were on there, you were probably waving at me, like, hey, I'm trying to get to work, and and so I I passed the the new Glen, got over onto the old Glen, and went up over a hill, and then there's a school bus sideways on the old Glen. Who could have expected that, right? There's a school bus sideways there, parked like people are trying to get around them. They're sliding into each other, and I, I, I sit there in traffic, and the girls are, you know, talking in the back seat, and I'm like, this is not going to happen. We're just, we're not going to make it to school. So I said, snow day. And you know, they're, yay, it's snow day, because Alaskan kids never get snow days. So I said, daddy's calling a snow day. Uh, and so we turn around, and now we're driving a- against the traffic. There's nobody coming that direction. And so I'm looking at all the other cars that are parked. And the guy behind me, he's smiling. He's like, yep, you're turning around. I'm, I'm next. The guy behind him has his, his fingers on the steering wheel, white knuckled, and he just looks Angry, right? Like his day is destroyed. The next car, it's a dad and a son. They're talking to each other, they're kind of laughing. It it was so interesting driving by these vehicles and seeing all these different responses to this situation that none of us had any real control over, right? None of us could have planned for this. It's just it's just where we are. And here's the thing: I think your vision comes out in those situations. You might say that your vision is showing, you know, in those moments where where the way that you deal with long lines and bad traffic and bad service at the restaurant may reveal a little bit of your vision. So we leave there. We go back home. Later on, the day gets better. I drive down to the tire shop because now I'm still that guy, right? And of course, there's a hundred people out front. And, and I walk inside. And I think well maybe I can get in and there's this lady at the counter and she is tearing this guy up so, you know one side and down the other. She said I was here at seven a.m. and I was first in line and I want my car in and I want it done now. And this guy he's you know making six bucks an hour and he's like I don't I just scan the credit cards you know it's all I am thinking lady give him a break like come on I, I, I it's one thing you guys to to be able to. Uh, to to talk to people and say listen the service isn't good and to be honest I think we should do that sometimes but I'm thinking this lady's vision is showing right she is devaluing this human being on the other side of this counter because he's not doing what she wants him to do and clearly it's getting in the way of her plans like this is not how her day was supposed to work out and so it's frustrating So think back, when was the last time you found yourself in a situation where you had plans, life happened, and all of a sudden you had a response that that maybe you look back and you thought, that's not how I should have responded, you know? Maybe my vision was showing in that moment, you know? I mean, with the kids, the kids are never going to do what you want them to do. My wife and I have this conversation all the time. She goes, I just, I can't believe the way our daughter talks sometimes. And I'm like, were we together yesterday? Because she did the same thing. And so we're like, oh yeah, that's right. They, they just do what they do. They're kids. They're not ever going to respond exactly the way that you want them to. And it is frustrating. We do want to see things change. And I'm not talking about not having plans or not parenting. But I'm saying our vision comes out in those moments. How do you respond when life throws you a curveball? We need to start with a couple things if we're, if we're to have vision. We start with first who we are. As people, James four fourteen says, "For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes." I like that. That's a great way to start. So let's start with first, who am I in this grand scheme of things? The first thing is, I'm a mist. I'm just a mist. I'm here a little while and then I'm gone. And I don't know how that makes you feel. You might be like Brian. This is the most depressing thing you've ever said. I don't like that you're saying I'm, I'm just. It seems like you're saying I'm invaluable, and that's not. That's not what I'm saying. You're a valuable being, God makes you valuable, but you're a mist, you're here today, gone tomorrow, and the way that that lands on you will be determined by how you're living your life. If you're living your life with the end in mind, if you're living with a bigger picture in mind, this feeling that it's not all about you and you're going to be here for a little while and gone tomorrow is okay with you. But if you know you've lived a life without purpose, without vision, and you're just kind of chaos right now, then this is a struggle because you're like, man, I don't have much time. I mean, I mean, life is going to be over in, in no time. I love Ecclesiastes. Uh, it's one of my favorite letters, um, favorite books here. It says in Ecclesiastes 1.12, Solomon says, I am the preacher. Uh, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is un- an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything. That is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. All is vanity. So this guy, he's got money, relationships, influence. He's accomplished pretty much everything that anybody could ever want to accomplish. And he says later on in life, it's all just kind of vanity. It's all a little bit worthless in and of itself. Again, that can sound so hopeless, but if you see the intention here, the intention is not to say that life is pointless, because life has deep meaning. And and you have a deep purpose here. What he's saying is that the things in and of themselves are pointless. All of the things, all of the striving, all of the work, all the degrees, all of the accomplishments, in the end, the rank that you get, whatever it is, is worthless, aside from the kingdom of God. I think that's the overarching theme of Scripture, is that all of this is worthless on its own. Moses would have understood this as he guided the people of Israel. In Psalm 90, we read uh, what's called the prayer of Moses. It says, "'Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust.'" I want to stop there because that he, he explains what this is all about. You want to know where you're, where you're going? Dust. You want to know where all your accomplishments are going? Dust. You want to know where all your hunting accomplishments, all your gear that you bought? It's dust. Everything is going to dust. And he says, And say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Or as a watch in the night, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream. Like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades away and withers. This is life. It comes and it goes. It's short. He's making it very clear. In a hundred years, nobody's going to remember me. Nobody's going to, it's going to be that guy that lived and you know, preached at that church in Eagle River a long time ago. That's what, that's what it's going to be. And that's humbling to see that, right? So the impact you make, it does matter. And that will continue on. But your accomplishments in and of themselves will not continue. They will be dust, as he, as he says. So James says, James says, here's what you need to do. Understand who you are and then understand who God is. That's how you have a vision. Understand who God is. So he says that we should think in terms of if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. Do you know anybody that speaks like this? Lord willing, Right? Hey, you coming over on, th- on Saturday? Lord willing, you know. Hey, uh, what are you going to do on, uh, you know, on Monday? Well, I'm going to go hunting, Lord willing, um, you know. They make, they make this statement at the end. It's, it's a phrase of submission, and we don't often speak like this. It's maybe kind of an older way of speaking. Some of you do, but it's a way that you remind yourself and the people around you that you are not in control. It's a simple way of saying, this is not in my control, And when we get this, when we realize that God is the final decider of all of the outcomes, that everything in this world passes through His hands and He makes the final call, we can relax. There's so much peace in this to know as you wake up every day, hey, there's going to be things that happen that are beyond my control. This day will not go as I plan it to. One thing you can expect as you wake up tomorrow morning is the day will not go out as you planned. It just won't. So if you wake up knowing that, that God is in all of this, and he's over all of this, he's working it all together, then you can relax and you can hold your plans with open hands. Isn't that how you want to make plans? Like, I want to be a church of of people who have great plans for the kingdom of God. We have plans as a church. We have ways that we want to reach our city, ways that we want to do ministry, ways that we want to staff this place and use the resources that God has given us to do what we do, but we hold them with open hands. And it's one of the ways that we pray every time we get together as a leadership team, is, God, we're we're going to do what we can. We're going to do our best to manage what you've given us to manage. And yet, be God, be speaking to us and help us to be willing at any time, at any moment, to be changed by you. To be able to go left and go right in the moment. So much peace in this. So much peace. So think back. Think back to when you stopped enjoying life. When you stopped experiencing peace. And I think what you're going to find is it was in that moment where your plans became your purpose. Don't let your plans become your purpose. It's something like this, you know, it's like when you stopped wanting a career and you started pursuing a career. When you stopped wanting children and you started pursuing children. When you stopped just wanting a spouse and you started pursuing a spouse. When you stopped wanting a little bit money, of money and you started pursuing money. This is the difference, you guys. This is, the, this is where it all changes, is when things that can be good, can be opportunities become your pursuit you will lose peace you just will it's not how it was meant to be we were never intended to pursue anything but God himself there will be no peace in pursuing any of these things they were never intended to be what we are about so why do we need vision what what does vision do for us the first thing is vision gives a course to your chaos it gives a course to your chaos um, <laughs> I don't know how you are with uh, somebody else driving. Um, my wife and I, one of our uh, biggest struggles, Amanda and I, is when I'm driving. And we're getting better at this. And, and part of it is she's being very gracious with me. But I don't like to be told where to go or what to do. And so when she's in the passenger seat, she's always kind of like, what is he doing? Right? That is the right way. This is the right way. He's taking the long way. That's that's." But I'm thinking, I wanted to go this way. I like this way. I like the view this way. I have a plan. You don't know my plan, but I got a plan. This is not chaos. I know where I'm going. And then I get lost once, and it blows all of that out of the water. And so it just ruins my point. But I don't like it, you know. I don't like that tension that we have. But there's this feeling, you know, when you don't know where things are going, it's, it's a, there's a lack of peace, right? There's a struggle there. See, what vision does is it helps you see all of the chaos of your life with a purpose. It helps you see that there's something being intended in all of that, that God is working all of that, as Scripture says, together for your good and the good of the people. That it's, it's not chaos. When you're living with vision, you might wake up in the morning and be like, okay, i got a lot going on today. It's going to be crazy. I know in the next couple months there's a lot going on but when you have vision there is a course to your chaos there's a purpose in all of it it's not wasted time because it's about the greater thing that you are after number two is this vision gives momentum to your immobility vision gives momentum to your immobility Um, i was trying to push a car into the garage a few weeks ago And there's always a hump at the front of garages. I think it's just to frustrate homeowners, but uh, it might be to keep the water out of the garage in Alaska. But anyway, so I'm just, I'm trying to get the car over it, and the car doesn't run, and so I got the door open, I got my feet pinned to the ground, I'm trying to push it up over there, and all of a sudden the car starts going. And it's going, and it's going faster, it goes over the hump, it's going towards the front of the garage, and I jump in, and I hit the brakes, and I'm like, what happened? And I look out, and my buddy had shown up. And he was on the back bumper pushing. I'm like, hey, what's happening? And I had no idea that he was helping me out there. And I feel like this is kind of what vision is like, is is sometimes it feels like we can't get any traction, we can't get moving on certain areas of our life. Maybe you're like, I wish I could stop acting this way. I wish I could start acting that way. I wish I loved people better. I wish I could forgive that person. When you're working towards the things of God, when you're going the same direction that God is going, There's momentum. There's already momentum. You see, I think this is why people struggle a lot in life is because they're going against God's will. They're pushing against what God would have in this world. So they're always feeling like they're going against the grain because they are. But when we start doing what God is doing, I believe there's an extra amount of momentum because God is with you in that. It's not your effort to change yourself or your situation, but it's God with you for the things of God. Because in the end, what God is about is himself. He's about glorifying himself in the world. And when you are glorifying him, when you're with him in that, you're going to have momentum, an extra movement in your life. And there's going to be freedom in things that you could not have by the strength of your arms caused to happen on your own. But with God's help, there will be freedom in that and momentum. Vision gives momentum to your immobility. I think that's a That's a beautiful thing to look forward to as you try to step forward in this. Number three, vision gives lost people a direction. And this is where I want to close out because I think this is so important. We need a vision, we need a way of deciding what is next. And many of you are in situations in life where you need to make some choices. You're wondering, where do I go to school? You're wondering, who do I marry? You're wondering, what do I do with my money? How do I parent my children through this difficult situation? What do I do with this friend? How do I deal with where I am in life? Consult your vision. See, vision gives lost people a direction. Vision helps you to know what's next. helps you to make decisions in situations where you don't know what to do. If you consult your vision, you will know who to marry. You will know where to step forward. It's all about knowing where you're going. Instead of making better plans. And so I thought about this for a few minutes. We gathered with our leadership team this week. And I asked them, hey, what's the vision of ACF? Because we say our vision in a lot of different ways. And so I thought, How, can we just boil this down to a few things? Like, what are we about? And this isn't us coming up with some brand new thing. Because the vision has been laid out for us in scripture. Jesus made it very clear with the Great Commission. Go into the world and make disciples. I mean, it's, it's a very simple thing. Go make disciples. Glorify God. Glorify God. And so it's not a new thing, but I thought, what is our vision? I, I, I thought it, it looks something like this. We want to see Eagle River, Anchorage, and the valley transformed into communities of grace by reaching out to the churched, unchurched, and de-churched through authentic relationships, selfless generosity, and audacious faith in the finished work of Jesus. How's that for a vision? That's where we're going. If you're like, what's this church about? What are we doing? There it is. It's really simple communities of grace reaching out to people from all different backgrounds and you guys fall into those different categories some of you are churched you've gone to church forever some of you have never been to church before you've just gotten into this thing and some of you are de-churched and you're wondering why you're here or maybe you have this story of of going to church and being hurt or wounded by the church or by something that you experienced and now you're back in this gathering so we want to reach out to those people and we want to be people who are generous people who have great faith, people who are selfless and trusting in the work of Jesus, what he's accomplished through us. And this will propel us forward. And so for us as a church, we look at that and we go, that's how we decide what to do next. That's how we decide what, what ministry do we do? Look at your vision. How do we use our resources? Look at your vision. You go back to the vision. This is why even organizations outside of the church, they have vision statements because it just, this is how we work. We need a bigger thing that we're shooting for. Because when we're, we're shooting for our plans, it never works out. Because your plans will fail you. I found this scripture, Isaiah 54, and I felt like it really spoke to where we're at as a community and what God has been doing in our church. It says in verse 2, it says, "...enlarge the place of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes." For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced, for you will forget the shame of your youth, and the reproach of your widowhood will you remember no more. I love that. It just speaks to kind of where we've come from as a community, you guys. uh, You know, six years ago, we were a church of 30 people, and uh, it was 30 people who said, we want to do something in our city, who had a vision to see this place be changed, that the church would rise up and be a, a community of service and of grace, that we would reach out to the lost in our community. And those 30 people said, we're going to be a part of this, and we're going to do this together, and they did. And so now here we are as a gathering, and we've grown considerably, and we've sent people out across the world as people have moved away, and new people have come. And so I see this spreading of what's going on here in Eagle River to, to the ends of the earth. I love that that we get to do that. And I see, I see pain and hurt being broken down and being uh, given to God. I see peace in people's lives where there was no peace. So I felt like this is a great way of describing what God is doing here. We love people well. We worship hard. We play hard together. And we send people out for the kingdom. And sometimes, you guys, if, if you want to see somebody who has vision, um, I want you to turn around and look at the back room room real quick at the the First Impression people. Hey, wave at us. First Impression people, where are you? First Impression people. So these people, I know, I'm sorry, they don't like to be singled out. So these people, I thought, who has vision in our church? These people have vision. So uh, Travis Talbot, who organizes that team, he gets them together every Sunday morning. And I don't know if you, you think that, uh, you know, they like to wake up early on Sunday morning and, wake, and make coffee and get the kids out of bed. And some of them have, like, babies strapped to the front of them as they're doing this. But, like, this is their heart is to, to show you that you matter, to open a door for you, to smile at you. And so they get together every Sunday morning. They pray over the morning. They pray for you. They pray that God would use them to be an encouragement to you. That's vision. And you may think that's not a big deal. They're just opening doors. They're just helping people find seats. But we know that small things like that can change somebody's life, little things. And so these people on our First Impressions team, they get that, they get that. So my question for you is, what is the next step? Where will you reach next? How will you live with a vision? Because when your vision is grounded in Christ, life isn't gonna mess you up. And I just want to close with this. I, uh, a friend of mine who was kind of my mentor in worship ministry, and great friend of mine, he lost his dad to cancer. Um, it's been probably 10 years. Uh, and, and so I remember getting invited to uh, to the celebration of life. As as believers, oftentimes we don't call it a funeral. We call it a celebration of life. And so we walked into this little church and he was a pastor and, and uh, he knew a lot of people in the city. and So a lot of people came into this little room We're all sitting on the old wooden pews, right? There's music going. And people got up for the next hour, and they told stories of this man and how he'd impacted their life. And uh, we sang, and we worshiped. And then at the end of this whole celebration of life, uh, somebody got up and led uh, the group in Amazing Grace. This is kind of classic uh, funeral or celebration of life song, Amazing Grace. And there's this second part of the song that we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. And I watched this man's wife stand up in the front row, place her hands in the air, and worship. And it was the most powerful thing I'd ever seen. Um, I was wrestling with my own faith issues at that moment. Um, and this doesn't make sense to our world, you guys. This does not make sense. How can someone experience joy and peace and worship God in a moment of such pain? It doesn't make sense. It's because she had vision. She knew that there was so much more. The time doesn't end, though we will be dust to dust. We will continue. There will be a bodily resurrection. She will see him again so this is vision this is what it's about and this is the world doesn't get this but you guys I want everybody in this room to get this I want you to leave this place with a greater vision for your life and when you do I think you're gonna find peace in the strangest of circumstances and the people around you are gonna go why how could you be okay I mean you're gonna hurt it's gonna be a struggle but how can you see beyond this and you're gonna say because I have vision because I see what God is doing And I know what's to come, and I'm a part of it. I'm so grateful that God would use us in this blink of an eye, in this short time that we have in this world, for a greater story that's being told about Him. Let's pray together. God, I pray you'd give us vision today. Father, I confess I get hung up by my situations and my moment. And uh, God, I act in ways that are short-minded oftentimes my vision is showing and it comes out in uh, pretty ugly ways. God, would you help me and help everyone in this room to see the bigger picture? God, could we gather together and could we know who we are and know who you are and know what we're to do next? God, I thank you that it's not complicated. I thank you that it's so simple. God, we're here to show love to people and to love you. God, when that is our vision, when, when that is what we're about, God, I, I just, I pray that we'd be able to find direction in those moments where we don't know what to do. God, I pray you'd help us to dig down deep inside and to see where there's, there's a dissonance between what we say we think our vision is and what our vision actually is. And help us to align those things in our life, God, that, that we would be holistic livers, God, that we would be living with our, our vision in mind. God, I pray that for us as individuals and us as a church. God, that we could be a movement of of people who have a bigger thing in mind, a bigger picture in mind, God, and that we could move forward together and see this city transformed into a community of grace. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.